Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Good morning, church, and uh, welcome to the Grace Place NYC online service today. Man, it's been, uh, it's been one of those weeks. It's been a tough, tough week. We have so many things um, happening in our country right now. Um, we have so much division, um, but you know what? Um, Jesus is still on the throne, and God's word is truth. And with everything happening in our world right now, um, we really need the word of God. And so I believe that I have a word for you today. And so right now, right where you're at, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Right there, where you're at, sitting on the couch, in the living room, watching, watching on a phone, a computer, on a TV. Uh, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart this morning. We're finishing up our series today that we're calling When God Closes the Womb. Uh, we're talking about three reasons from Scripture that God closes our womb. Uh, the first week we talked about how God closes the womb because of sinful disobedience. If we continue to willfully disobey God, he will not condone it and he will not bless it. Uh, although Christ paid the ultimate penalty for our sins, there are still consequences for our sins here on earth. Uh, in week two, we talked about how God closes the womb uh, when it's not his will, when it's simply not his will. He'll close the womb, and we should thank God just as much for the closed doors in our lives as we do for the doors that he opens up for us. Just because it's good doesn't automatically mean that it's God. And today, we're going to be looking at reason number three. Let's uh, once again look at our text that we've been using for this series, and it's found in 1 Samuel chapter number 1. And I'm going to be reading verses 3 through 6, and it should be up on the screen for you to read along. Uh, year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Verse 4, whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Has God ever closed your womb? I mean, has there ever been a time or season when your prayers were met with silence? Have you ever experienced a time or season where you felt barren and fruitless, even though you were working hard and praying hard? Have you ever experienced a time of prolonged waiting for something that you were believing God for? It could be maybe you were waiting to get pregnant and it never happened. It could be waiting for healing for a health issue. It could be waiting through a season of intense temptation to a certain sin. Maybe you're there now where you just feel like, God, where are you? I'm praying, I'm crying, I'm seeking, but everything's just been met with silence. In this particular story about Hannah, we see that God, not the devil, not sin, but God himself 
was the one who closed Hannah's womb. He was the reason that Hannah could not bear a child. He was the one standing in between Hannah and her dream. Hannah is mentioned 15 times in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. And then after that, she's not mentioned anymore. But from these two chapters, uh, we gather that Hannah was a praying woman. She was a woman who was devoted to God and loved God. She was a good wife. Her name means grace, undeserved favor. She just wanted a child of her own. She saw the other woman having a child. She saw how the other woman was blessed in childbirth and she was having children. And Hannah desired that for herself. So if she was a praying woman, a godly woman, a woman full of grace, then why did God close Hannah's womb? Well, that leads me to today's point. Sometimes God closes the womb because of sinful disobedience. And other times he closes the womb because it's simply not his will. But there are also times when God closes the womb until we surrender that desire completely to Him. Uh, 1 Samuel 1, if we jump down to verses 10 and 11, they say this, In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Have you ever been so disappointed with God that you wept bitterly? Have you ever been so hurt because your prayers were met with silence that you felt anguish deep down in the pit of your soul? Have you ever been crying out to God for something only to be met with the answer no, and, and you just felt like the wind was knocked out from within you? Have you ever been there? I, I asked my wife to share uh, a time and an experience in her life when she felt this way, and so um, I, I want her to share right now. Avia, she's seven now, so about seven years ago um, when I gave birth to her, um, I had this expectation of a childbirth the way that I had with my son. My son, we had a water birth. It was phenomenal. Um, the moment that he was born was just exhilarating. Stephen and I were both crying. It was just this incredible, magical moment of my life. And so I prepared to give birth to my daughter with expectations of having the same outcome that I had with my son. Um, three days later, went to prove that uh, that was not the case. She was gonna come out uh, very much on her own way, on her own terms and on her own time. So I labored for three days with her. Hard labor, natural labor, no epidural, no medication, just me and my body and my husband working together to get my daughter um, Earth side, and so I prepared. I prepared my mind. I prepared um, reading, exercising. I did everything on my end to get the outcome that I had wanted. Uh, but then I found myself not receiving the outcome that I had prepared and longed for and wanted and was expecting. Um, and so, after three days of labor, 
I ended up with an emergency C-section with my daughter. Um, she uh, was in a really, really difficult position, um, you know, and I'm thankful. I'm completely grateful for for the for the ability to be there for the minds of surgeons to be able to get um, my daughter out safely, and as well for me to have to be healthy afterwards and be safe afterwards. And so I'm so thankful for that. Um, but where I was supposed to be very, very excited that I had a healthy baby, um, there was some sadness and in, 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 in kind of a resentment over kind of the events that had transpired because I had done everything I could on my side to get an outcome that I had wanted. And so it was completely and totally out of my control. There was nothing that I had done, that the midwives had done, that the doctors had done to produce the outcome that had been presented to me or that was happening. And so there was so much frustration after that. I, I mean, I loved on my daughter, but I was having to be bedridden because of the C-section and it, it was such a hard recovery for me. And I think that had a lot to do with my mind as well because there was an expectation that with Boston, I just got out of the tub and walked on with my baby and was fine. Um, and this time I couldn't move, I couldn't walk, I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do with my baby. And so I began to look on that time with resentment and anger and frustration. And so I would cry myself almost every other day, um, almost mourning an experience that I worked hard for and didn't get. And I know that some people would be like, well, I mean, no big deal, you came with healthy baby you were fine um but there was so much hard work prayer that went into an outcome that i had really desperately wanted just and not because i could say like oh i birthed naturally but because of the experience that i had with my son in that moment of connection with my husband and, and my son i really wanted that for my daughter and i didn't get it and so i um would weep bitterly about it um or it was like my shower was the place where I would just kind of release and cry out my emotions and cry out to God and, and, and kind of uh, reconcile my thoughts to the fact that he allowed this to happen. If there was nothing that I did that caused it, if there was nothing that anybody else did that caused it, he didn't intervene and step in and change it. And so I had to reconcile that with God and just say, God, you know, talking to him, why would you allow that to happen? There was nobody that I could blame. It was nobody's fault. And so I remember just wrestling with God every other day in the shower, wrestling with God over those thoughts, over those frustrations and crying and crying. And, and the good thing, the amazing thing about serving a God that we serve is that he allows us to go before him with our hurts towards him, our frustrations towards him, our misunderstandings of him. Um, when we feel like he let us down, we can still go to him and weep bitterly before him and he doesn't tell us to be quiet or go or or at least you had a healthy baby. And what, you know, he comes and he allows us to speak to him and share our frustrations and he listens. And I remember the last day that I cried about it. It's so vivid in my memory. I was in the shower crying again and I, I heard God. I felt in my heart and in my spirit him say, Priscilla, there are women that went home without their babies that day. Enough. And I just, he lovingly spoke to me. And he, was, he wasn't harsh. He was very direct to me. But he said, enough. There's perspective in our pain. 
there's perspective um, and what I was going through and I had to switch it and God showed that to me that day and I didn't cry anymore and I released it and I said God you know what you're right I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to be thankful listen to the words used here to describe Hannah's mental and emotional state deep anguish wet bitterly misery Hannah was depressed she was bitter she was mourning and grieving because she felt like her dream of having a child of her own was being put to death she was praying a prayer of lament pouring her heart out to God not holding back her true feelings of of what she was going through every single day that she had to watch those other children running around and she had to watch that other woman, the other wife, taking care of her kids and she poured out to God how she felt. Maybe during this season you're going through a time of deep anguish yourself. Maybe you've been weeping bitterly. Maybe you are lamenting a loss in your life. Maybe you watched the video of George Floyd being murdered by that police officer in Minnesota and your heart is grieving. Maybe your heart is grieved today for the injustices that have happened to your people. Maybe you're lamenting with your African-American brothers and sisters who are in pain right now. Maybe you haven't had their experience, but you, you, you see how they're hurting and they're in so much pain right now and, and your heart just goes out to them. Maybe you're grieved in your heart as you're seeing buildings and cities across the nation being burned and, and the looting that's going on and the small businesses that are being destroyed. And, and most of these small businesses are in brown and black communities and, and your heart goes out to those business owners that have worked their whole lives to have this business only uh, for it to all be torn down in one evening. Maybe you're heartbroken over the division this is caused in your own family. Maybe you have people in your own family that have vastly different views on what's happening and, it, and it's created tension and division. There's a lot to be in anguish about in our country right now. And it's okay to mourn and grieve your losses. I, I want to give you permission to mourn and grieve and lament right now. It's okay. In some theological circles, grieving is looked down upon like a weakness. When we lose something or someone, we're told only to apply the truths of victory in Christ while neglecting the call to lament, mourn, and grieve. But God thought lament was so important that he included an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations. I'm going through the book of Psalms right now in my own personal devotion time, and Oh my goodness, most of the Psalms are uh, David or, or whoever's writing that particular Psalm just pouring out their heart. Just, just It's just full of emotion. It's full of, of sadness and happiness and exhilaration and then deep grief. That There's just so many different emotions that, that these writers were just expressing to God. Yet sometimes we feel guilty or we feel like we're not allowed to express uh, emotions of sadness or grief or mourning. I think it's important to mourn and grieve and 
work through what we're feeling versus oppressing or being in denial about what we're feeling and going through. Sung Chan Ra, professor at North Park Theological Seminary in Chicago, writes this in his book, Prophetic Lament. The American church avoids lament. The power of lament is minimized and the underlying narrative of suffering that requires lament is lost. But absence doesn't make the heart grow fonder. Absence makes the heart forget. The absence of lament in the liturgy of the American church results in the loss of memory. We forget the necessity of lamenting over suffering and pain. We forget the reality of suffering and pain. When we avoid lament, we are tempted to deny reality. When we can't admit that we're suffering and in anguish because our theology doesn't allow us to, we become reality deniers. We come across as inauthentic or unempathetic. We're not getting to the root of the issue. We're just staying on the surface level when, when, when we have this type of, 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 of theology that says that we can't lament, we can't mourn, we can't grieve, we can't cry, we can't express frustration. As Hannah is praying, mourning, and anguishing about her situation, she was barren while her husband's other wife was able to produce offspring. Not only that, Penina, the other wife, rubbed it in Hannah's face that she was barren and that she, Penina, could bear children. Talk about adding insult to injury. Do any of you have a provoking Penina in your life? Someone who reminds you of everything that you lack in life? Maybe an older sibling that's an honor student and varsity athlete while, while you're a straight C student and riding the bench in sports. Maybe it's someone at work that constantly points out what you're doing wrong and you know their motives are not to help you but to make themselves look more competent in the eyes of management. Maybe it's your parents who you feel like you are never good enough for and they're constantly reminding you why you're not good enough. Growing up, when you brought home a paper that, and, and you had an A on it, they asked you, why wasn't it an A+. Plus? Maybe your penina is social media. As you scroll through other people's highlight reel, you, you have this deep sense of, of discouragement come over you, a deep sense of, of feeling not good enough come over you because you're seeing the, uh, uh, what looks like a perfect life as you're scrolling through pictures and statuses and tweets and and you're like, why can't my life be more like theirs? What, why, why can't, why can't my life be more perfect? And so then you, you try to, you try to put on this image as if you have the perfect life, and and that you try to try to hide all the warts in your life because you're trying, you're you're trying to compare with what you're seeing on on social media platforms. Let me tell you something, church. God allows Peninas into our lives to provoke us to prayer. Hannah thought Penina was provoking her to misery, but God allowed Penina to provoke Hannah so that she would cry out to him in prayer. And, and when we cry out to God in prayer, his spirit is able to do a work in our hearts and in our lives. And, and, and can we just take a moment right where we're at, wherever you're sitting at, Right now, can we just take a moment and just thank God for the Peninas in our life? Thank you, Jesus, for sending the provoking Peninas into my life that have caused me to fall on my face and pray. You guys need to be thanking God.
for those paninas in your life that provoke you and irritate you and frustrate you so badly that all you know how to know what to do, all you all you can do is go into your prayer closet and say, God, I'm either going to pray or I'm going to do something that I'm going to really regret. Thank God for the paninas in our lives. If it weren't for that penina, your prayer life wouldn't be as strong as it is right now. If it weren't for that penina, you wouldn't be on the floor crying out to the Lord for help right now. If it weren't for that penina, you would continue to be self-sufficient and, and doing things in your own strength. And you wouldn't be as dependent on the Lord as you are right now because that provoking penina is poking and poking and poking at you. But instead of resenting those paninas, instead of being upset with God and frustrated with God because of those paninas, you need to thank God for those penina because your prayer life is stronger because of penina that's provoking you. And in the middle of her anguish, in the middle of her bitter disappointment, Hannah prays a prayer that unlocks everything for her. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Church, Hannah finally surrendered. She surrendered. Instead of wanting a son so that she could shut up Benina and prove her worth, she surrendered her future child to God. Instead of competing with the other woman, Hannah surrendered her desire to the Lord to do as he wanted. She said, if you give me a child of my own, I will dedicate him to you to serve you all the days of his life. The key to Hannah receiving an open womb was her willingness to give it away. Did you hear that? The key to God opening up Hannah's womb was her willingness to give it away. God might not be giving you that thing you really want because if he gives it to you, you have no intention of using it for his glory. You have all the intentions of using it for yourself, but not for God and his glory. If you aren't being generous with your finances now, why do you think you'll be generous if God gives you more? You won't. If you aren't being faithful with the responsibilities that you currently have, why would God give you more responsibility? Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 16, 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If you can't have a personal quiet time with the Lord right now, then how can he trust you with the bigger platform that you desire? If you're not reaching your co-worker with God's love right now, why do you think he's going to use you to reach thousands? If you're not managing your current responsibilities at work well right now, then why would God give you that promotion where you have more responsibility? The kingdom of God is a kingdom where we don't hoard and store up our treasures for ourselves, but it's a kingdom where we are willing to give whatever we receive. Jesus even said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And our king modeled it for us by giving his life for us. He became poor so that you and I could become rich. He stepped into this earth 
so that we could step into heaven when we die. He became mortal so that we could receive eternal life. As believers, we are part of an upside-down kingdom. The first will be last, and the last will be first. The one who serves will be the one who rules. We, in this kingdom, we turn the other cheek. We walk the extra mile. We love our enemies. Those are words that we really, 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 really need to hear right now with what's going on in our world today. God will close our womb until we're willing to give away what we want Him to give to us. God will close our wombs until we're willing to freely give that thing we so, so desire and think we have to have. Hannah was willing to dedicate her son to the Lord, give him away to the ministry. 1 Samuel 1.22 says this, For she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child is weaned. Then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and stay there forever. Forever. Think about that. She was praying and praying and praying and praying for a son. God gave him, God gave her that child that she so desperately wanted. And she willingly gave him over to the ministry forever. She didn't have the same experiences with Samuel that other mothers did. She, she didn't get to watch him grow up the way other mothers did. She didn't get to go to his, his sporting games like other mothers did. She dedicated that child to the Lord because he had a greater purpose. Could God be closing your womb because you are so stinking tight-fisted? The way of Jesus is an open-handed generosity. Until Hannah was willing to give her son away to the ministry, her womb was closed. But as soon as she told the Lord, He is yours, He opened her womb. 1 Samuel 1, 19 and 20 says this, And the Lord remembered her. And the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. Like I mentioned two weeks ago, are you willing to remove your hands as the calyx is removed from the flower petals and dedicate to God that thing you really desire so that the will of God can start to bloom in your life? Abraham did this with his promised son, Isaac. If you remember the story, Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah, his wife, was 90 years old when she gave birth to a son that God had promised them many, many, many years before. When Isaac was a lad, God told Abraham that he wanted him to sacrifice his son on the altar. It was in that moment that Abraham had to decide whether he could remove his hands from the promise. If he could take his hands off the promise, it was in that moment that Abraham had to decide that. Could Abraham dedicate the very thing that was supposed to carry on his legacy after he died? Was he willing to give his promised son away? God told Abraham that he was going to make his name great and that his descendants would be as great as the sands on the seashore and then turned around and asked him to kill the only possibility of that being able to come to pass. 
I think many of us experience closed wombs because we can't release control of our own destinies. Many of you know the rest of the, of the story. Abraham was willing to give his son back to God. And so he, he tied up his son. He, he laid him on the altar and he was about to kill his son. And then uh, Abraham was stopped in his tracks and an angel of the Lord told him, don't harm the lad. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. The angel told Abraham to keep his son because there would come a time when God the Father would send his one and only son to die on behalf of mankind. There would be no angel that stopped what was going to happen to Jesus. There was no one that was going to stop Jesus being sacrificed because the plan of God, the will of God was for Jesus to take our punishment. But he told Abraham, stop. It's not his time to go. Some of us are experiencing the pain of closed wounds because we're more like the rich young ruler and less like Hannah and Abraham. The rich young ruler couldn't give up his many possessions when Jesus asked him to. His possessions had a hold on him and it created a closed wound. He missed out on following Jesus because he loved his own possessions more than he loved Jesus. What is your closed wound today, church? Is it something you need to commit or dedicate to the Lord? Is it something you need to decide to use for God's glory and his kingdom purposes? Is there something in your life that you need to give to the Lord and surrender? Maybe today you need to give to God that thing you so desire, just like Hannah dedicated Samuel to the Lord. That thing you're praying about, that thing you're believing for, that thing that keeps you up at night, that thing that causes you to weep bitterly, that thing that has created anguish in your heart. Maybe it's time to dedicate that thing to the Lord. Maybe it's time to give that thing away and say, God, I'm going to take my hands off of this situation. I'm going to take control off of this situation. And God, whatever you want to do, you do. And I'm just going to surrender to you. That's what Hannah, she came to that point. She was so broken. She was so broken. She said, God, I want a son of my own. I want to prove that other woman wrong. I want her to stop making fun of me. I want her to stop rubbing it in my face. I want her to stop provoking me. But you know what, God? If you give me a son, I'll give him away to you. And maybe that's the posture you and I need to have. We need to say, God, whatever it is that I have in my heart that I want so badly, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do. Let's pray. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.